The Rich and Mike Show, Flagler County's hometown sports show. Here are your hosts, Rich Carroll and Mike Licio. Yes, it's another episode of the Rich and Mike Sports Show. Good Saturday morning, Flagler County. And a good Saturday morning to you, Mike Licio. Hello, Flagler County. And hello, Rich Carroll. Yes, hello, hello. And man, oh man, what a week in sports it has been here locally. You had Monday night football. You had, of course, Friday night football. Matanzas, big, huge win over Deltona, 42-13. to Monday night, that was a couple of days after their game on Friday, and then a tough, tough game for FPC, another blowout loss. This time, 53-7 to get to seven against, who is that? O'Galley? How do you say that, Mike? O'Galley. O'Galley in Melbourne, yeah. All right. Um, O'Galley, the alma mater of the late Tim Wakefield, who passed away earlier this week. Um, you know, we send our thoughts and prayers out to Red Sox Nation. Might be the only time you ever hear that from us. <laughs> yeah, that's sad. So many memories with Tim Wakefield, really. Um Probably the last true knuckleballer in the game. I think it's officially gone extinct now, right? There are no knuckleballers in baseball anymore. Not that, not that I'm aware of. The game has become so much about velocity. Yeah, and you miss out on that because it was really fun to see a knuckleball pitcher, uh, you know, use that ancient art of the knuckleball. And when you get a guy who's really good at it, like Tim Wakefield was, there's so many different ways you could use him. I mean, generally you see those guys as starters, but the Red Sox, they would use them out of the bullpen. You know, we all remember 2003. Red Sox fans will say we all remember 2004. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, man, what a great and fun pitcher he was to watch because you got to love the knuckleball, man. And, and as you mentioned, uh, the game's a lot about velocity, but uh, he was an artist, and, man, it, it's really – Sad to hear what happened there. So, yeah, our hearts go out to Red Sox Nation and the Wakefield family. He'll definitely, you know, he was a Red Sox, but he will, he'll always be one of my favorite baseball players to watch. because I, I enjoyed watching him, too. Sorry to cut you off there. Yeah. I, um, I enjoyed watching him, too. And my favorite thing is every once in a while he gets somebody two strikes and sneak in a 74-mile-an-hour fastball. And just freeze them with it. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure for whoever was up at bat, it looked like it was 110 miles an hour after <laughs> watching those EFIS pitches, those those knuckleballs. So, uh, yeah, Tim Wakefield, he will be missed. He was a great Red Sox, great baseball player, and the final guy to use the ancient art of the knuckleball. Hopefully one day uh, we'll see it make its return to Major League Baseball. So, yep, the two, uh, two really Difficult losses in a row for the FPC Bulldogs. Mix in Matanzas Pirate win on Monday night. We're going to get to all of that in a little bit, but other things going on here locally, right, Mike? Yes, we had a very rare event, a very a rare life-changing event. Maybe not life-changing, I don't know. But um, Emma Pizzullo, FPC bowler, bowled a 300 game this week. Well, I, I don't know. So what what is a 300 game? Explain that, Mike. So the 300 game is where you bowl nothing but strikes the entire game. Wow. <laughs> so so I, I was going to ask you what your highest score in bowling was, but you know, judging by that, I'm just going to move on and tell you that Emma's previous high was 297, that she missed a 300 score by just three pins. I just know I'm terrible at it. Uh, but, but once in a while, I'll, I'll walk into a strike. <laughs> 
you know. I bowled a 172 once, and I don't think I've broken 100 since. So that was a good time. But so Emma Pizzullo, FPC bowler, she's been competing for years and years. You know, one of her goals was to get a 300 game. And this past week against Spruce Creek, she was able to do that. And I got to catch up with her afterwards and take have her take us through that special night. Emma, congratulations on your 300 game. Thank you. Is that the first time you've rolled a 300? Yes, it is my first time. What was your previous high? A 297. It was a matter of if, it was a matter of when then. When did you start yeah. bowling? Like, how did you get into bowling? I started bowling when I was five years old, and I got into it because of my sister. Was she a competitive bowler, too? She was, but she gave it up. What drove you to continue to pursue it after that point? I love the sport, and I loved the community, so I continued with it. And then I got to this point where I got better. Have you competed in competitions outside of the high school? Yes, I have. I've competed in many tournaments. Turning to yesterday, did you have a feeling going in that the way the ball was coming off that it was going to be a good day? I felt like it was going to be a good day after throwing a few practice shots, but I was not expecting to get a 300. When did it start to come into your mind that, hey, this might happen? Around the eighth frame. What was that tenth frame like? Take us through that tenth frame. You're sitting there and you know that you're that close. What was that like for you? What was going through your head that entire tenth frame? What was going through my head was my routine for when I go up to the ball. I put my hand over the fan. I think about how I'm going to throw my shot, my shoulders being straight, my arms coming up and following through, hitting my mark. That was all I was thinking about the whole time. And that takes a lot of mental toughness. How do you develop that mental toughness to stay in the moment and focus on the essentials and not think about everything that's going on around you? For me, I take a second and I breathe and I just think about just making each shot the best shot I can. On that last roll, that had to be the longest roll of your life. From the time it left your hand until it got to the pins, had to be about the longest roll of your life, I would bet. Yeah, it, it was like very long. I was like waiting. I heard everybody screaming, get there. It was surreal. And of course, once all the pins go down, what was that moment like? It was exciting. I couldn't believe it. I started crying. My my team came and surrounded me. It was just the best feeling in the world. Now that you've had kind of a day to reflect on it, does it still feel surreal? It does. It still feels surreal. I'm just like, I actually did it. I actually got a 300. But it's something I've been working so hard for for many years, and it finally happened. The season continues, of course, going into the district, going into regionals in these coming weeks. What's your confidence level right now? Oh, I am very confident. I have very tough competition, of course, and my team does too. But we are hoping to go into districts and do the best we possibly can. I'm hoping to do the best I can and bring my confidence and my, the support from my team into districts and blow it out of the park. Because you compete in a lot of tournaments, a lot of those you're competing on your own, did it mean something more to have that 300 game with your team and with your teammates there? It meant a lot to me to have my teammates right there watching me and to be there with me and experience that moment because me and my teammates have been through a lot and we are so close as friends and they mean a lot to me. It was amazing. Yeah, it definitely was amazing. So I take it uh, bowling a 300 is like pitching a perfect game, right? You were perfect. Yep, it's exactly exactly like that and it's very rare and especially at the high school level, but she was able to pull it off. And, you know, I think FPC is going to ride that wave in the districts and hopefully into regionals. 
So it was pretty cool to get to catch up with somebody who did something that you would think anybody could go to the bowling alley and bowl, <laughs> but you can't go out there and bowl a 300. That takes practice and dedication. And of course, the most of all, a Zen-like focus. Oh, and I and, loved how you you said, take me through that 10th frame. How did it go? And yeah, Zen-like focus. Where And I love the way she described how she just went over all the fundam- fundamentals in her head, where her shoulder has to be, hitting her mark and everything. And that shows how focused she was because, you know, she's not thinking about the perfect game, bowling a 300, whatever. She's thinking about my next shot and how I'm going to get it done. And I guess, you know, lesson learned, that's how you get it done uh, if you want to be an elite athlete. Just, Just focus on the task at hand rather than the results. And we saw that and we... We, we try I this is why I'm terrible at golf I don't have that mental fortitude that she has and we see a lot of it and that's one of the great things about being the sports anchors I get to talk to a lot of people like that and you know moving right along also another milestone reached this week at FPC Lily Paritis who is a volleyball player reached 575 career kills you know um, normally in a four-year career if you can get to 500 you've done pretty dang good. And so that was a big accomplishment. It's not been the greatest year for FPC. They're 10 and 15 this year, but they're still hopeful going in the districts. And, you know, I caught up with Lily, who has 261 kills this season alone, and I got to catch up with her and reflect on her reaching a milestone of 575. Lily, what kind of emotions are going through your mind playing your last home game? Um, it's definitely sad, obviously, because this is the last time playing in this gym with our fans. I've been here for four years, so it's been a long ride, and so it's just a little bit, it's, it's like kind of like hitting me. It's a realization that it's over, you know what I mean? 575 kills. What did that mean to you? My goal was 500 by the time I graduated, and I'm, I've exceeded the goal, so that's pretty good, and our season's still not over because we still have districts, so 575 is pretty good so far. What are you hoping to accomplish in districts? I'm just hoping to accomplish that we go out with a bang and... We just give it our all on the court. This is a, We have eight seniors. This is our last time playing together, so we just got to give it our all on our way out. What about the rest of your senior year? What do you want to accomplish before you leave FPC? I just want to soak in the last moments in my hometown because I've lived here for so long. So just spend time with my friends and my family and just soak it all in. There you go. Congratulations, Lily. And, and describe that as well, Mike. I, of course, know all about the kills and how impressive that is to have over 500 kills. You know, I, I was once a professional volleyball. No, I wasn't. But, uh, yeah, explain what that is exactly and why it's impressive. So a kill is how you score points in volleyball. So when you, when you hit the ball and the other team is not able to serve it back to you and it hits the ground, that's a kill. So... You know, that's how you win volleyball games is though you get the most kills. And so Lily has done a great job of that. She's got her college prospects lined up. She hasn't really decided where. Like I said, FPC is 10 and 15, but they've finished the season strong. And you can hear in her, her talking about the confidence she has in her team that even though it hasn't been the ideal season, there's still a lot left to do. And in fact, they've won four of their last five to close out the season that one loss being Wednesday night against the alma mater. Speaking of the alma mater and speaking of volleyball, um, I won't get into the Mike Leachio knows everybody of the state Augustine <laughs> volleyball team, except to say there's coworkers, there's relatives, there's it's a lot. But um, they were at Matanzas last week 
and I was able to go to that game, and it was Matanzas' senior night, and one of the seniors was locker Frankie Good. Um, Frankie is a very talented player who's going to play at the college level. She has not decided where, although I've heard rumors from others that that decision has been made. You know, I don't think Frankie has made that decision, so that's why I won't say that she's made a decision because if she had, she would have told everybody. <laughs> but it was still pretty neat to talk to her and get her perspective on her last four years at Matanzas. Frankie, congratulations on a senior night win. What has it meant to you to be here at Matanzas? It means a lot. It just feels good to finish my last home game at a place that like always showed me love and with good coaches and good surroundings. It's something that will always be my memory. How important was it to get a win tonight? It was really important, but if we would have lost, which I didn't think we ever will, you know, at least we lost as a family. Winning tonight was really important to me because like it's just something that will always be like in my mind and like something that I always cherish. So just being a win would be like the chair in the top for me. Just like winning with my team for four years, my family, like etc. And how's it feel that this season you guys have gotten off to such a strong start that four years of work is really starting to culminate in success? It feels real good. The more we spend time, the more we practice together, the more we do things, I feel like we become stronger and just become more of a family. And just honestly winning as a family and as a team is like one of like the best parts of like playing at the sport. All right. Yeah, and I love that because it just shows how important sports can be in somebody's life and whether it's, you know, playing at that level or just hanging out with some friends in the neighborhood and play, it just it creates camaraderie, family-like atmosphere, a shared goal, you know, and it's just those are important lessons to learn at that stage of life. And it's great to hear the influence that it's had on her. And uh, I don't know, man, those are the things I love about sports. It really is. I love hearing that. It's what makes what we do so great. Matanzas is 16-3 and three on the season. They're coming off of a 16-win season last year, and Coach Dawn Moses pushed them for more. When we talked to her in the preseason, she said she wanted to see at least 18 wins. They have 16. They're playing in a tournament this week, and then they have districts coming up next the week after this. So they are well on their way, and it's been a special year. And Frankie Good, Senna Thayer, have both been a big part of that as well as Ryland Miller. You, they've been a big part. They're really the core of the team. And then the reason Tantas has lifted their volleyball team to the next level. I know girls basketball coach Travis Boone was out there talking to Frankie good. And I talked to him and I said, you know, Frankie's six feet tall. She's a blocker in volleyball. These are things that translate well to basketball. But I think for now, Frankie is going to focus on volleyball, which she has a bright future in. Excellent. Awesome stuff. All right, let's transition to football here. And it was a tough night road trip for FPC. Oh, galley. That's where that's Melbourne, Mike. That's Melbourne. Yep. About uh, it's about ex- almost exactly 100 miles south of Palm Coast. So a long, long trip to, to take for the FPC Bulldogs and to lose 53 to seven. That's after losing to Ponte Vedra last night, 31 nothing. And the thing that stands out for me, Mike, uh, after last night is before these two games, they they went three straight games where they scored 28 points or more. They, they scored 28 points in the win against Bishop Moore, 28 points against Matanzas, and then uh, they fall 29 to 28 to University. And ever since then, uh, they've scored a total of, of seven points. So what has happened to this offense after three straight weeks where they were lighting the world on fire and they can't score? 
they've just been decimated by injuries. You know, losing they've been losing on the defensive line. Travell Adams out, Ethan LaPepa out. So Roman Caliendo has shifted over to the defensive end. So that puts them down a tight end. Noah Doolin's been hurt. That puts him down another tight end. And of course, more important than all of those guys, and they're all important, don't get me wrong, but the the guy who makes the offense go, Marcus Mitchell, has been out with a hamstring injury. So FPC's in kind of a tough stretch right now. They came into the week with the eighth best schedule in the state out of all classes. So there's nine classes, FPC's and 4S. They have the toughest schedule in class 4S, but they have the eighth toughest schedule in the state. And that's before they played a top 25 team like O'Galley. So their strength of schedule is going to keep them in the hunt, even at two and four. But at this point, they've got to beat Nice. They've got to beat Tokoy. And I always felt like they had a split between O'Galley and DeLand. They lost to O'Galley last night. That means they have to beat DeLand. FPC pretty much has to win out. They might be able to lose one more game, depending on who they lose to, and get and have a chance at the playoffs at five and five. But They've got it. They're in a situation. There are a couple teams out there with the playoff rankings that have losing records that are kind of their strength of schedules carrying them. It's kind of the point in the year where you have to win some games. And again, they've been devastated by injury. And I know it's been tough for Daniel Fish, but it's a, a but it's a tough point in the season for FBC. They're so young and they're so depleted that if they don't get healthy, they're going to have some trouble. I was at the um, St. Augustine Nice game last night, and FBC heads up there. Friday night, watch out for referees who don't know how many downs there are. We'll talk about that later, but not this week. We'll talk about that some other time. But, <laughs> you know, they have a quarterback named Bryce um, Bryce Fink, and he really came into his own last night. He got his first start. Um, he transferred to Pontevedra to Nice around the same time Cole Walker transferred back to FPC, and he got his first start against St. Augustine last night, and he looked really good. Nice lost 49-30 to a St. Augustine team that's all but destined to go to a state championship this year. And they put up 30 points. And what did you talk about, Rich? You talked about FPC having trouble to score in the ball, getting points on the board. This is a Nice team that's coming off 30 points against a contender. Mm. And they had two, two drops that probably took another 10 points off the board. They could have easily scored 40 last night. Yeah, so uh, mm, that's going to be a tough game for FPC next week, and hopefully they could bounce back against a tough opponent. Huge, huge district game for FPC coming up next week. But next week, we will be back. We did not have a WNZF game of the week this week. It was our bye. Next week, we're back with the Matanzas Pirates coming off of their big win. And how about that, Mike? At home, Gainesville, district play, Matanzas. They're still in the driver's seat for a playoff spot themselves, huh? Matanzas is currently the sixth seed in Class 3S Region 1, and they, they, the loss to St. Augustine and the win to Deltona were both factored into the updated standings, so really it was a wash. They ended up still the sixth seed, which means they would head to Pensacola to face Escambia, which is actually west of Pensacola, mm. if the playoffs were to begin. But yeah, they're in a good spot. You know, They're not going to win the district because the loss to St. Augustine, St. Augustine's going to run through this district. So the best they can do is finish second in the district. But the way I see it, they're, they're, they should beat Gainesville. Gainesville has won one game out of their last 19, and it was against a team that's only beat Gainesville in the last three years. But, they, but they're getting better because they played Buholtz, who falls into that St. Augustine mainland category of team, 
and only lost 35-7. I know that sounds like a big <laughs> deal, but you know, for comparison, Deltona lost to Deland 70 to 12 last night. So this is a Gainesville team that's getting better. I still think Matanzas is the better team. Daquan Evans has hit his stride. He's playing great football. And then after that, we've got a big one, Rich. Clay, who lost to Middleburg last night versus Matanzas October 20th. That game is going to, I think, determine a playoff spot. If Clay loses that game, they're out of the playoffs. If Matanzas loses that game, I think they're still in, but it's going to be close, and they're going to need to really put up a good showing the last two weeks. So Matanzas has everything in front of them. They put that St. Augustine loss behind them. They played against Deltona, who was also playing on short rest. And I think they're right where they need to be at this point in the season. No surprises to me. I thought there were three games they could lose. They lost to FPC. They lost to St. Augustine. And, you know, Clay's going to be a challenge, but I do think they're a better team than Clay. So Matanzas is right where I thought they would be coming into this season. All right. And Mike Licio had a chance to talk to the coach, Matt Forrest. Kind of a tough weekend last week. You had Friday night against St. Augustine. Then you had to go to Deltona on Monday. Two tough road games in a row in four days. How do you feel about how your team came out of that? I mean, you know, I, I think we did about as best as we could. I mean, obviously we would have liked to have a better showing in the St. Augustine game, but that's a really good football team. You know, they're they're one of the top teams in the state across all divisions for a reason. And, uh you know, again, I, I, turning around short time like that, I mean, it's tough on anybody. Um, so for our guys to go out there and, you know, we, we started off slow, uh, but that was a credit to Deltona and the way they were playing us. So uh started off slow and then, then kind of rebound the way we did and later in the first first quarter and the second half. Uh was good to see. So, um, you know, obviously we wish we would have played better against St. Aug, but, you know, coming out of those three-day stretch being one and one and, Still kind of having, you know, hopefully a playoff shot ahead of us if we can do what we're supposed to do uh, was was definitely good for us. How how important was it to have the extra week to recover after such a tough stretch with this being your bye week after the Deltona game? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, it, it seems like bye weeks always tend to come at the right times. Um, so I think for us it, it was it was that point where, you know, we'd kind of had a pretty grueling stretch of, you know, some reschedules and, and things happening along with some, some weather where we had to practice in the morning and all that kind of stuff. So uh, I think it came at a good time. You know, we're, we were healthy uh, going into the bye week. We're healthy coming out of the bye week. So, um, you know, we got a tough four-game stretch here, three district opponents. But the good news is we got, you know, we got three of those at home. So it's um, kind of hard to believe we only played two home games at the ship this year. Um, and we've got three of the next four um, at at our place, so uh, we think that that should benefit us to an extent for sure. Got the Purple Hurricanes coming in, one and six, but they did seem to have a pretty good showing against Buholtz. I'm sure when you get your kids together Monday, that Gainesville's record will be irrelevant. But how important is it to go back into the district schedule and start strong? Oh, it's everything. You know, I think that we've, you know, we obviously got to, we've got to win our ball games going forward to, to have a shot. But uh, even, even then, uh, at that point, you know, we're, we're really only concerned about ourselves. Um, I thought we did, did some really good things to get better in the bye week. Um, I think we, you know, got, got closer together as a football team. We did some team building things. And uh, like I said, I, I think um, we, we battle ourselves every day. You know, and I think that's the way we look at it, and I think that's the way our program has been able to grow. 
is, uh, you know, we take everything one day at a time, one play at a time, you know, play by play. And, um, you know, every winning's hard. It's hard to win high school football games in the state of Florida. So uh, it doesn't really matter who you're playing or what the record is. You know, Matanzas has got to play uh, high-level football uh, in order to earn the right to compete and win football games because it's not easy. So um, that's what we were looking to do over the bye week, and I think that's what we accomplished uh, going into this big four-week stretch. Now, FBC is your rival, and obviously that was a very um, hyped game a few weeks ago. But with the new playoff system where your opponent's record and your opponent's and your strength of schedule matters, is it kind of odd that you have a vested interest in FPC success as well the rest of the way? Well, I mean, you know, all that stuff factors in, you know, with the playoff system and the way the way everything kind of goes into the computer, you know, with with other teams' strength of schedules that you play and, and other teams if they win or lose after you play them. Uh, there's just so much going on that, you know, again, it's it's cliche, but we only try to control the things that we can control. I mean, we don't think about the teams we played and if they're winning or losing or what their records are. Or, you know, we've got enough stuff to worry about in house. Um, you know, with with the way we execute and the way uh, we do things in practice, the way that we play football, uh, the way we are in the classroom and and in the weight room and representing the community and those kind of things. That, you know, we we cannot take focus away for one second. Um, with what we're doing, you know, inside our own program. So um, all that other stuff, you know, is just noise. Um, you know, we're worried about ourselves and, and trying to put ourselves in the best position. And, and really the only way to do that is, is win football games. You know, if, if you take care of your business, all the other stuff that you have no control over, you know, you can't even worry about it. So um, our, our team has done a great job of, of putting things in, in the rearview mirror, you know, as fun as that, you know, as good as, we played arguably against Deltona as a, as a bounce back. You know, it, that was in the rearview mirror on Tuesday. You know, as quick as it came is as quick as it left. And and I think that's a good job by our coaching staff uh, and our players and our program to, to really, you know, execute and, and try to do your best at the task at hand, the play at hand, the practice at hand, uh, and, and just keep your eyes looking forward because, you know, the only thing that we can do is, is control what we can control and, and at the end of the day, if it's good enough to make it, great. If it's not, you know, at least at least we're trying to do everything we can to put ourselves in a good position. Your quarterback, start of the year, Quan Evans, start of the year, coming off of injury, took some time to really get back into the swing of things. It feels like he's hit his stride. You know, how important is he to your success, not only with his play, but as a leader? I mean, he's done a lot of great things for us in his high school career. I mean, uh, just his development as, as a person, um, you know, in the classroom, in the weight room, on the practice field, and in games has been has been good to see. I mean, it's not perfect by any stretch. I mean, we had to, you know, we had to make some tough decisions when he violated our team rule policy. You know, we, we had to sit in for a quarter against Atlantic. But to me, it's not about what happened to him. It was about his reaction to what happened to him, you know, as far as his consequence. You know, he came out in that second quarter against Atlantic and, and put on a show. Um, and I think that was a big moment for him because, again, um, that shows how much that he's grown. It doesn't mean that he doesn't make mistakes. He, he makes mistakes on the field all the time. Um, you know, that's that's what happens when, when you play hard and play fast and do the things that he does. I mean, he's going to make mistakes. But it's the effort and the energy and, and the belief that he has in himself and his teammates when he does uh, 
maybe not do something 100% correct, he's able to make a special play, and he realizes um, that going forward. So it, it's really just about his, his growth as a person is what I'm most impressed with, um, and I think that's what our team and the guys that work with him on a daily basis that, that, that play beside him, I think that's what they've noticed the most is just his maturity level, how he's grown up, how he's matured into a man, uh, you know, of integrity and, and somebody who, you know, is not perfect. And when he's not perfect, he's the first to own up to it and accept whatever whatever comes down his way. And, and he tells everybody around him that, hey, I made a mistake and I'm, you know, I'm going to be better for it and, and we're, we're going to fight this thing together. So just proud of him from a mentality standpoint. And, and yet, like you said, he does a lot for our football program, but um, he's grown a lot too, and I'm very proud of him. And at four and two, uh, Coach Forrest and the Matanzas Pirates have a lot to be proud of, Mike. They absolutely do. And like I said, you know, they had a couple setbacks early in the year against FPC and St. Augustine, but they're right where they need to be for this time of year. And I'm looking forward to it against Gainesville. And like I said, Gainesville struggled, but they're playing better football as of late, and they know that. If they can make a district run, they may be able to make something happen with their young team. So I'm looking forward to seeing them next week. I think we're in a good spot. It's going to be an exciting month of October as we try to get to November. Oh, yeah. Things are heating up next week. WNCF's Game of the Week, the Matanzas Pirates, the 4-2 and two Matanzas Pirates, their second district game against Gainesville will be there. Coverage begins at 6.55. Listen on WNZF. Watch on the Flagler Radio YouTube page. That's another episode of the Rich and Mike Sports Show. Have a great weekend, Flagler County.